Because here we are as a church, as a church family, we're celebrating 155 years of what God has been doing and is doing in this community. 155 years, right? Wow. That's 155 years of what God has been doing and continues to do. And as I thought about that, uh, so good to be back. Well, so good to be back for the picnic, right? We're going to have a great time this afternoon. And uh, some of you are wondering, oh, gee, you know, I, I forgot it was picnic. Or I come here this morning, I was a visitor this morning. I didn't, I didn't know you guys were having a picnic. I didn't, I didn't bring anything. Come as our guest. You say, well, yeah, but, you know, if I didn't bring anything, you know, we have extra people coming, you might run out of food. Seriously. First of all, we're Baptists. But secondly, <laughs> Winco is right across the street. We can't run out of food, Okay. So come celebrate with us God's goodness and grace in this community through this church over such a long time. But it got me thinking, what is this all about? Okay, we're here for 155 years, but what are we here for? What are we here for? What are we doing here? What is this thing called church supposed to be about? And it got me thinking, but there, there are several expressions of that in Scripture. What are we doing here? What is the church to be about? Several expressions about that in Scripture, and one that's kind of special because the church is special. It's a church that was unique to Paul. There was a, a unique and particular bond that Paul had with this particular church. And the, and the way that he expresses this purpose, this um, kind of central mission of the church, who is the, who is the church and what are we to be doing? And, he, and he's saying this not to the church generally, universally, he's saying this to a particular congregation of believers, a church that has been with him, a church that he remembers their partnership in the gospel from the first day of the gospel going to Europe until now. It's the church of Philippi. They had been through a lot together. They had been through imprisonment together. They had been through troubles and joy together. And he describes them as laboring together, arm in arm, shoulder to shoulder, partners together in the joy of the gospel. And so this is a passage that, that speaks well for, what are we doing here? What are we to be about? What should that look like? I invite you to turn to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1, and I will be reading from verse 1 through verse 11. If you're using a church Bible in front of you, I really invite you to follow along. And if you're using the church Bible, you'll find us on about page 980. Philippians chapter 1. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons, the elders and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I'm sure of this, 
that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And it is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace. We're in this together. And we're in this on the same terms. Sharers in God's grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness. How I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent. And so, by approving, by choosing what is excellent, what is best, so to be pure and blameless. For the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Father, would you open up your word to us this morning? Father, would you speak to us through it? Father, would you... Open our eyes that we may behold wonderful things from your word as the psalmist prayed. Father, there are different needs all across this room this morning. But those needs are met in you. Who you are for us, what you have done, are doing, and will do for us. Those needs for grace and peace are met for us in Jesus Christ. So, Father, would you show us more of yourself and more of him this morning? Increase our confidence and out of that our courage that we might choose your will even over our own for your glory, for our good, in Jesus' name. Amen. There's, there's a few things that emerge. There, there, there's a pile in these 11 verses, aren't there? Man, line after line, verse by verse, things just flow out of here. And, and there are three things that, that kind of came to the surface for me, things that I wanted to touch on this morning, things that speak to me about what are we doing here? What ought we to be doing here? How do we do this that God has given us to do here? And first of all, Paul underscores who we are. Who we are. He, he underscores that fact that we rest in who Jesus makes us. This passage is a, is, is a call right out of the box for you to rest in who Jesus has made you to be. You see, the Christian life can sometimes be confused in a sense of, i got to try harder. I've got to be better. I have got to perform. I need to Get my act together. Get myself in line because I want God to approve me. And Paul says to these Philippians, to that local church, and by extension, God says to this church, saints in Christ Jesus. Saints, holy ones, God's holy ones, God's approved, God's perfect, sinless, not in ourselves, not in our performance, not in our presentation, looking so nice on Sunday morning. Don't you like my palm tree shirt? I really like this palm tree shirt. Not in our presentation. No. Saints in Christ Jesus. Charles Wesley said years ago, never, never consider yourself apart from Jesus Christ. Our acceptance is in the beloved Son. We are God's own children in Christ Jesus. We are saints. 
Now, through church history, there's been a lot of confusion about the saints. We saw that in the Eastern Church there through Greece. They, they, they uh, have church after church, and within the church, display after display, they're called icons, where there's an image of a particular saint, a particular outstanding Christian from some point in history whose, whose faith was so courageous, whose stand was so, so bold, whose, whose determination was so sacrificial that he stands out above others and is remembered and honored and exalted and lifted up. And this particular Christian is called a, a saint. At times it was a little weird. They, they have the, they have the, the image of, 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 of the saint. And people would come into the church and they would kiss the image. Now fortunately there was a crew that would kind of stand by. And after so many people had come through and kissed the saint, they would bring the, bring the disinfectant. They would spray it off and they would wipe it off and step back again. And more people could come through and do their thing. And... The Bible does say to greet one another with a holy kiss, but I don't think that was the intention. That honoring up and, and, and exalting a few as if they were somehow uniquely special compared to me or you. When Paul greets the church, he even, he even, he lowers himself a little bit with this particular church. He doesn't feel the need to claim authority over them. He doesn't, he doesn't come right out with Paul an apostle like he does with other churches when there's correction needed and attention must be gained. He says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Jesus. Servants, bond servants, devoted, committed, in a bond of love for life, servants of Jesus to the saints, the holy ones. He lifts these believers up seemingly over himself. He's going to tell them later in the book, consider others more important than yourselves. And he seems to do that, honoring what God is doing among these, among you. Saints in Christ Jesus. It's not, it's not a bad thing to remember the courage, the boldness, the faith, and the confident trust in Christ of those who have gone before us. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. But when that elevation of some into so-called sainthood causes us to forget that every believer in Christ Jesus is a saint, is holy. Well, there's St. John right over there. And there's St. Kevin right behind him. And there's St. Abigail. And all around the room, there's saint and counselor, commissioner, I forget. Counselor, Eileen. But counselor, that's an important title. Saint is even better. Saint is eternal, set apart, holy one, sanctified, made holy, made unique, made special. I'm not special. I'm not you. I can't make myself holy. God has made me holy. You can call me Saint Bob. Yeah. But only if you remember, in Christ Jesus, he has made you holy, unique, special, set apart for his own purposes. Some of those purposes are different roles and offices. He mentions here the overseers or the elders and the deacons. And, and, but he mentions those after the saints, doesn't he? The church together called out as Christ's holy ones. And he gives us different roles to fill within that. But underscoring that we are all family in Christ. 
You belong in him, before him, not because you somehow were good enough, but because in Christ you are fully accepted. That the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, keeps on cleansing us from all unrighteousness. So in Christ Jesus, there's nothing that separates me from my Savior. You say, Bob, you can say that, but I'm a little, I, 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 I've got some things I'm wrestling with. I've got some things I'm struggling with. I've got some things that I've got to sort out before I can think of myself in those kind of terms. That's because you're thinking of yourself, and you should be thinking of Jesus. You should be thinking of who am I in Christ. That's the gospel. The gospel isn't so much about us as it is about Jesus and who he has made us to be in him, his righteousness in place of our sin, his, his honor, his glory in place of our shame. God has done this for us in Christ, and we first of all, before we do anything else, we rest in who God has made us in Jesus. Because if we're trying to strive and serve and do in order to gain God's approval, we start wrong and we'll end poorly. First of all, we start. We begin on that foundation, on that sure footing of I am his and he is mine. He has made me his own unique holy one joined me into the family of God. And that, that, that family embrace, that warmth together, Paul describes in verse 3, I thank my God every time I remember, praying with joy in every pray for you. You know, one of, the things, one of the privileges I had while we were away is I took with me our pastor and elders prayer guide. You remember a couple of months ago we asked you, how can we pray for you? That we wanted to be praying for everybody in the church every week. And I got to continue to do that while we were away, joying and praying and remembering our fellowship together, our sharing together in the gospel of Christ and in his working among us. Paul describes that here, that bond with the Philippians, which he describes because of their participation, their partnership together in the gospel. You see, the gospel wasn't Paul's work merely. The gospel wasn't Paul and Timothy and Silas's work merely. They had a partnership together, a sharing together, a working together, arm in arm, shoulder together in the gospel. I, I was in the, in the seniors ministry on Wednesday, and some, some from the Josiah Venture Germany team that we sent out from the church that went to Germany in July and they came back and, and we got to hear some of their report. They're going to share more of that at the picnic. After we've served our food, they're going to, they're going to be telling some of their experiences there in Germany. But I wanted to tease that with a couple of, of, of brief reports that I heard. And so I'm going to ask Jordan and Olivia to come up. And they describe this, this whole team, this, this partnership together. How God used the different ones of them in different ways. And they, they talk about how God answered, heard their prayers. And I wanted, I wanted you to hear that from them as well. So hold the mic right up there real close. And Is that good? Hello, good morning. Um, yeah, uh, it's a privilege to be up here. If it wasn't for God, I wouldn't even be up here myself. So, um, But uh, that is the start of God's work in me right there. But... In Germany, one of the biggest things, like 
connecting to what Pastor Bob was is saying, um, Paul and Silas and, and his apostles were working together um, in this work that God's doing. And it wasn't merely just them doing the work, it was all of them together. And that's really important, and uh, that really stuck out to me on this trip uh, in particular, um, was just the, the time devoted in prayer, and uh, not just in prayer, but in prayer for one another, and in prayer on our own time, and, and I think that's very important. And um, one situation in particular um, where I saw God working was, um, well, every day I would, I would just pray that the Lord would give me a time or an opportunity that I can reach out to someone and be an encouragement to them. Um, not knowing how God was going to do it, um, not knowing when it was going to happen, but just pray that. And then uh, the, the interns and the short-term missions team would get together at about 7 o'clock in the morning, and we would pray with one another about the whole day and just go on, you know, how things have been going and just what God's been doing. Um, and... There was one night, it was about 11.30 or so, everyone was kind of, it was kind of dying down for the evening, and uh, we were playing a card game, and I had lost, I was, I was the first person who had lost a game, and so I really wanted to play with them longer, and I was really enjoying my time, but I was like, you know, it's all right, and so I just felt in my heart God was calling me to head to the dorm room with uh, the other campers that I was in the same dorm room with, and um, I walk in, and um, one of the campers, his name's Levy, he was uh, crying. And I didn't know why he was crying, but it seemed like it was pretty important. And so God just put it on my heart to be there for him in prayer. And so I told him, you know, hey, let's pray right now. I don't know exactly what you're going through, but I'll be there for you. And um, that, was not on, that was not on me. That was God doing his work in me personally and in my heart to do that, to step out and do that work. And during that time, we just had really good vulnerability and just being honest with one another. And by the end of that time, even days in, um, they just told me, they're like, hey, um, we feel like we're family with you already. And, and we feel like we've known you for years, longer than I've known any of my friends I've known most of my life. And I'm like, and I told, I told them, I was like, that's not me. I just want to let you know, that's God right there working. <laughs> that's God's spirit working in us. And there's no way he can make that bond. Uh, we can have that bond except for by uh, Christ. So, yeah. um, Prayer was definitely very prevalent in Germany. Me personally, um, I went there with the mindset of just being 100% for these kids and giving them my all. And the Lord, being introverted, made it, it was pretty hard for me to do so. But um, I remember praying one night before a hike, just saying, Lord, just give me one person that I can talk to and that I can really love on and show Christ through me, and he did. He sent me Nia, um, just the sweetest little girl in the world, and she, we just talked, and I got to love on her and really show her Christ through our conversations, and um, later on, she would come up to me and give me a great big hug and tell me she loved me, and just the whole experience was really great. All right. Thank you. You know, that, that, that participation in the gospel, that's just a couple of the stories. They'll be sharing more together with different members of the team when, when we're together at the picnic. But, but one of the things that, that came out to me as well is that praying together. And when you, when, you, when you pray, God, would you use me? God, would you give me that one person? And then, guess what? Your eyes are open. Your eyes are open to see, well, what is God going to do? Who might that person be that I've asked God that he would, he would connect me with? That, that 
particular opportunity for service. I, I love to be part of a church that, that um, the, the serving, so to speak, is not merely for certain people, for older people, that, that uh, some sit and soak in and others are the ones to, to, to do things, but that um, across our church body, younger to older, that uh, this team exemplified that. You had, you had grandchildren and you had grandparents together on this trip across, across that age spectrum. And uh, uh, that serving together, that partnership, that's what family in ministry together looks like. And I say family, not, not merely talking about your own family, but in talking about this family together. Talking about a, a God's family together being about the family business, which is the gospel of Jesus. That God has made us family together. You are saints in Christ Jesus. God has made us his own, and as his own, he joins us into the family business. Out of resting in who we are in Christ, out of resting, that's where we get to work in what Jesus is doing and has given us to do. Your participation, your partnership in the gospel, that God doing his good work in you. How is it that God completes his work in us? That work in us that he completes in us, which is, which is conforming us into the image of his dear son. He does that in us as we participate with him in the ministry of Christ of giving ourselves away for the sake of others. As we do that, as we say, God, what would you have me to do? As we present ourselves as his willing servants and say, God, would you give me that person? Would you, would you give me that situation? Would you open a door? And then our eyes are open and we're watching for it. And we're ready when God does that. Getting to work in what he's given us to do. Paul even mentions here, you have been partners with me from the very beginning in my imprisonment and in the defense and the confirmation of the gospel. That Paul seems to be joining two imprisonments together. They have stayed with him even now in his Roman imprisonment. And this church in Philippi has sent support and help. They have sent funds to Paul to help him in this time while he's imprisoned in Rome. Not only that, at the very first, when Paul leaves Philippi, he leaves just after he's in prison there. And Paul's own imprisonment, being jailed and, and beaten in Philippi, sets up a situation which actually works for the good and the protection of those Christians that he leaves behind. They share in the benefit of Paul's earlier imprisonment, and now they share with and benefit him and through this letter, they benefit from Paul's present imprisonment. They're joined together in the difficult times, and God is working there. And they're joined together in times of fruitfulness and blessing. When Paul leaves Philippi, he goes to Thessalonica. And Thessalonica is about a three-day trip or so from Philippi. So on the third day, Paul gets to Thessalonica. He begins to teach there. After about three weeks or so in the synagogue, he's run out of the synagogue. We don't know how much longer he stays in Thessalonica, but it's not a terribly long time. And yet in the time while he's in Thessalonica, the Philippian church mobilizes, and not once but again twice, chapter 4 tells us, that they sent assistance. They sent support to Paul for his work there in Thessalonica. So I want to guess, within a week, or at most two, 
they have already organized themselves and gathered resources, taken an offering together, and sent that through the hands of one or two of them to get it to Paul and help him in the next town that he would be able to proclaim the gospel, the gospel there like he did among them. Not only that, he gets to, he gets to Corinth, and when he's in Corinth, he, write, he tells the Philippians that they were the only church that continued to support him so that he could devote himself to the gospel ministry there in Corinth for those 18 months as well. So their partnership with Paul in his extended ministry, that partnership that you have with those who from this church are in places far from here, whether it's in Pennsylvania with WEC, whether it's, 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 it's the Whartons in Lebanon, whether it's in uh, Jordan with the Coles, the partnership that God has given us around the world as well, we share with them in that ministry as we support it as a body together that God has given us a work together, and we get to work that. But get to work, I mean, let's get going. And I also mean we get to, we're allowed to, we have the joy and the privilege of participating in what God is doing. And that looks all kind of ways. Awana sign-ups are in the foyer. Sunday school is starting again. There are many other ministries around the church that you could be a part of. And, and one of the things I want to carefully avoid is that person who is immersed in one thing after another and every time there's something going on, they are there and they're in the midst of it and they're pouring themselves out and burning themselves out. I want everybody here to have a place where they know this is my ministry. This is where I give myself away for the sake of others. I don't get anything out of this. This is where I give myself for the sake of others and that's what I get out of it. And then there's another place where this is the place where I'm in the company of others, where I'm growing together with other growing believers. This is where we are giving ourselves to one another or somebody else is pouring themselves into us for our growth. That we are growing together and that we are serving together. That's what I want for each one of us within this church body, within this family, that we rest in who Jesus has made us, that we get to work together in what God has set before us together to do, because a normal Christian life is not sitting, soaking, and souring. You know, the Christian life can be compared to a sponge that we sit, we soak up, and we sour. We need a good squeeze. We need to give out of us for the sake of others, and that refreshes us as well. The normal Christian life is God working through us in our working in the gospel. That God has made us family together. And the family business is the gospel. That we are in the gospel, gospel distribution and the fruit cultivation business. That's what we do. That's our family business. You, you may have other family business in your own family that you're a part of, but our family business together is this. It is gospel distribution. Who has God set me near that I could share the hope that I have in Jesus with? Who has God set me around as a brother and sister in Christ whom together we can cultivate fruit in lives, in the lives of one another? How does that happen? That comes in Paul's prayer. Paul's prayer for them is also a glimpse. It's, it's a glimpse not only in how we pray together, how we pray for one another, how we have been praying for you as elders and pastors, but it's also a glimpse into how does spiritual growth happen? How is that fruit produced? How does God complete his work in us up until that day of Jesus Christ? 
Are there actually steps? Could we formula this? To some extent, we can. I can at least give you a template. This is the template. This is the big picture. This is the sketch of how spiritual growth happens. How God's work in you and through you, how does that take off? Do you want to know? You want to know? I wasn't sure. I just, no, not really. We're just here for the picnic. Okay, how that happens is found in Paul's prayer. Paul says, I pray this, that your love may abound more and more. They are good at this. They are good at loving. They are good at pouring themselves out for the sake of others. He says, oh, let's, let's see God do it even more. Let's see God increase it all the more. How does that happen? That your love would abound more and more in knowledge and every kind of insight insight or discernment, that you would know something. Knowing something is key into this fruit being produced. How does that relate? Well, as we know something more, even as I described to the kids, as, 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 a, as, a, as a grandchild begins to know something more about their grandparent, they know what it is that the grandparent delights in them doing and doing with them. They, they, they know more what their grandparent wants to give them and share with them. They know what to ask for. They know what to participate in. And that relationship just gets sweeter and sweeter. Well, he said that your knowledge and every kind of insight so that you will decide what is best, so that you will choose those things that are more excellent, being instructed out of his word. You know, what we know determines what we believe. I said pray in confident submission. Yielding my will, confidently yielding my will because I know who God is, I know what God has said, I know what God has promised, I know what God is doing, and my faith is growing in confidence of what God has said and showed and revealed about himself in his word. Faith doesn't grow deeper and stronger out of emotions. Faith grows in knowing and believing what God has said and what God has done. To know God's word and to choose to walk in it for his glory. That's why we have small groups, why we have Bible studies. That's why we have adult classes on Sunday morning during both hours as well as the worship time. That's why we have men's and women's groups that we could be growing together in the word of God. Because that's, that's seed for faith. That's how our faith grows because faith is not simply believing Faith is believing what God has said. Faith is taking God at his word, is trusting him and what he said about me, for me, to me. Sometimes this idea of growth gets redefined without knowing. It looks like commitment, stepping up, following through, gutsing it out, our own fleshly, natural best efforts. That puts emphasis on me instead of on God and what he has said and promised working for approval instead of resting in Christ. Sometimes we define spiritual growth and increasing maturity by the lists we keep and the rules that we follow. I do this and I don't do that. And that means I'm growing as a Christian. Again, resting in my own efforts instead of in Christ. Or maybe 
Spirituality and spiritual growth looks like emotional fervor and feelings. A spiritually excited Christian is judged to be a spiritually growing or mature Christian. So what do we do to fit into the circle, to be recognized by others? We'll try to even stir up those feelings and keep them going until we can't keep the balloon pumped up anymore. Sometimes the Christian life can feel like I'm blowing more air into the balloon and yet there's a hole and it's all leaking out. Spiritual growth doesn't come out of, out of um, stirred up emotional feelings. That faith is not a feeling merely, though faith can, can fuel feelings. And a lot of our choices are, 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 are flow out of our emotions. But faith is confidence. Faith is trusting what God has said, what God has done. Our growth in faith sometimes is, well, it could be described as an increasingly bolder claim on what one believes God will do. I'm just believing God for this. I believe God's going to do that. Well, why do you believe God's going to do that? Did God say he was going to do that? Because one thing is sure, God will do what he said. You can count on it. That is what you can count on. God will do what he has said he will do, what he has promised he will do. His promises never fall short. Faith then is knowing what God has said, knowing out of, out of God's revealing himself, knowing who God is, and in light of that choosing, I'm going to submit myself to God's will. I'm going to do those, I'm going to choose something that lines up with what I know God to be, who I know him to be. I'm going to align my life, my choice with what I know about God that's faith that chooses what is better rather than the fleeting delights and desires of this world. You know, our choices are based on something that we know. I was watching the Seahawks game last night. It was sad. I'll get over it. But I kept being bombarded with these messages. Did you know now is the best time to buy a car? Now is the best time my interests are going to be best served, apparently, by running out now and buying a late model 2018 because they're clearing off the lots. That's not my interest, actually. That's the dealer's interest because they've got to clear those off the lot because they've got 2019s coming in real soon. They don't have my interest at heart. They have their interest at heart. So that's capitalism. I'm fine with that. But we're bombarded with all kinds of messages, and we need to... Feed our soul on the truth of God's word so that we can know what God has said so that we can choose what is eternally best. And out of choosing what is eternally best, that's, that, that increases purity and holiness in our lives, increasing the character of God within our lives, the fruit of the Spirit, because my life, by my choice, is aligning with God's word that's because I believe God's word. That's living by faith. Living by faith is simply doing what God has said. Stepping into what God has said. That's living by faith. And as I, as I align my will then to what God has said, his fruit, his characteristics are being worked into my life. And the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, meekness, self-control. Against these things there is no law. I don't need the list. And yet I will be abounding in love. You see how the circle just continues. This is not okay. I got there. I got, I got to this step. I got to this step. I got to this step. Now I'm here. 
No, no, you're just starting. And we're going around and we're going around and we increase in our knowing God. In fact, in the doing, in the giving of myself away, guess what? I taste, I learn, I experience something, just a little sliver of what it was that Jesus laid down his life. Jesus stepped down from glory, inhabited humanity, died on a cross, humbled himself for me. I haven't experienced that. I haven't experienced that level of giving myself away for the sake of others. But to the extent that I do, I taste something of his own sacrifice for me, and that fuels my faith. And I know him. And knowing him changes me. That's the circle that I'm talking about. Our bulletin says that BP Church intends to be God's family in Christ, being changed by God's truth, impacting others by his grace. It says who we are, we are God's family. We are God's family in Christ Jesus. God has called you saints. And out of who we are, we then are being changed by his truth. As we know his truth, as we hear his truth, as we feed our souls on his truth, and then we choose, in some ways seemingly huge, in the more important ways that seem like very small, day-by-day, hour-by-hour decisions, we choose to align my will, to submit my will to God's will, and trust that my fulfillment is best found in Him. We choose what is best, what is eternally better, and that bears His fruit in our lives. That's how we will impact others by God's gracious working in us, and through us. Together, this family, BP Church, God's unique and holy servants, he calls you saints. Trusting God in who he's made us, in how we pray, and how we prioritize, and how we choose to partner together in his work. As we go forward this fall, as we say we are on mission, In life, where he has set us, uh, toward the people he sets us among, we are on mission for God and his grace and his gospel. Oh, God, would you use us? As we do that, as we partner together in this family business of gospel distribution and fruit cultivation, as we give ourselves to God's working in us and through us, Paul says here in this prayer, it will be to the glory and praise of God. Let me ask you one last question. Do you want? Do you desire? When you put your head on the pillow at night, do you want? Lord, would you in some way use my life to bring you praise, to bring you glory? Is that one of your ambitions? Sure it is. There's something of that in you. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if you are born again by his spirit, his spirit in you delights in energizing you toward the glory and praise of God. How do we do that? Oh, Lord, that I would know you more. Lord, out of what I know, that I would would yield my will. Lord, that you would even bend my will more toward yours. And out of that, you would use me 
in the lives of others for your praise and your glory. Let's pray. Father, would you do that? Lord, we would pray now very, very simply, but very sincerely, Lord, for one another. Lord, our prayer for one sitting right next to us or maybe in front or behind or someone else in this room, Lord, who each one here has somebody here that they know, that they care for, that they love and that they want to join in this prayer for. Lord, that you would cause their love to abound more and more with knowledge and discernment, insight into your will, so that they might choose what is best, most excellent, not merely for time, but for eternity. Lord, that they would make better choices, choices that would glorify you, choices that would would be increasing purity and blamelessness in their own life and practice actions toward others. That you would fill them with your fruit of righteousness. And this, your working in their lives and through them toward others, Father. That that one's life, whom each is praying for right now, that their life would result in praise and glory to our God and Father. This we dare to ask in Jesus' name. And all who agree said, Amen. Amen.